Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. What's up guys, it's Josiah and this episode is gonna be a little bit special and different. We were recently at CMN conference. CMN stands for the Church Multiplication Network and since 2008, CMN has helped plant and pioneer over 4,500 churches across America and across the globe. It's simply incredible what God is doing. Earlier this month in March, we gathered in Houston with over 2,000 other church planters and it was just so inspiring. We love the vision of CNN. We were invited by our friend Jeffrey Portman, who's been on this podcast before. Feel free to go back and listen to that episode as well. But he invited us to give a breakout session on engaging and mobilizing young adults today. So we recorded that breakout session and wanted to share it with you as a listener today because this is our heartbeat 100%. This is why we do what we do. This is absolutely just a mission critical topic. And so it's a recorded breakout session. It's not as conversational or interview style. It's Micah and I teaching uh, church planters and there's a little bit of Q&A at the end, and we hope you enjoy this special episode of Young Adults Day Podcast. All right, everybody, thank you so much for being here, and look at you guys. You tell your church people to get here early, right? Sit close. You, you got a seat, so that's awesome. We had to turn people away um, because we know how important young adult ministry is, don't we? So, so excited to hear from our panel today. Uh, so just let me share who they are. Uh, Josiah and Micah. Keneally. Keneally. You got it. <laughs> Are the founders of the nonprofit Young Adults Today. Together, they co host the Young Adults Today podcast, equipping individuals who are leading, volunteering young adult ministries, college campuses, churches. Uh, they also host the FYI podcast designed to answer questions young adults are asking, man, what a gift to the kingdom. And uh, they point them to the heart of God, the heart of Christ, love that. They really have a passion to see young adults reconciled to Jesus and live a God-honoring life. So it's so excited to hear from them. Let's pray and then they're gonna jump in. Jesus, thank you for this incredible opportunity to learn. Help us to get the nuggets, the wisdom, the insight that we need so that we can help more young adults find and follow Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we make some noise for Lacey and for God? I'm fired up. A little bit sad, if I'm honest, because I guess 30 people got turned away, but we're going to roll with who wants to run. Does anybody want to run after young adults with us? Let's go. Let's do it. Well, like Lacey said, my name is Micah Keneally. This is my husband, Josiah. We have the honor and privilege of not only having a beautiful family. This is our daughter, Aurora, who's on my lap. She'll be three in April. And this is our other daughter, Avalon. And we just love life. We're thinking about the next generation because we are raising the alpha generation as we speak. So I'm a proud girl dad, obviously. Also, I'm a dean of women. When I'm not doing ministry full time, if you look at our house, I'm a dean of women. And uh, I love it. We do have a fish that's a beta and he is male. So I don't know if that counts. It's not a dog. I know, but still, you're, you're still outnumbered. It doesn't matter. But we have the honor and privilege of just doing ministry together. And we've hmm. been doing ministry apart. We were called into ministry as two single people. I'm from North Dakota. He's from Minnesota originally. And we were called into ministry as single adults where God really spoke to our hearts to reach the people and the friends around us during that season of our life. So when I moved to Minnesota, Josiah and I met and... 
he was working on staff at a local church. From there, we have been on staff at a uh, church together. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we are five years Chi Alpha Campus in Bloomington, Minnesota. So Minneapolis area is where we are from. And we just love to reach young adults and see what God is doing through that process. And now we pivoted last June 1st was our first day as a 501c3 nonprofit. So we are so excited. What we are doing on the campus with 15,000 students, we really felt God pressing upon our hearts to take it beyond just those walls of the, the campus itself and to the ends of the earth and to the nation. Yeah. So that's what we're attempting to do and get rallying as many troops and equipping people and the saints in the process of discovering what God has for them and you as leaders. So so our ministry, Joey's running slides, doing an amazing job. Our next slide is Young Adults Today. And the, the reason why we exist is to reach young adults in our world today and equip churches, leaders, pastors, mm -hmm. and Christ followers to do the same in their community. Um, a few things. We just came off of a different conference. We're pumped to be at CMN. The next picture, Joey, is this was our first ever Young Adults Today conference. We did a little research, and we found that for those leading young adult ministries, mm -hmm. there is like no conferences. There's like no podcasts and uh, just no a little bit of an island like with a lack of resource. And I just want to check in the back. Can you hear us okay? Awesome. Praise God. Um, but this was at the Mall of America, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hungry leaders from across the U.S. flew in. The next slide is our Young Adult Weekend. And so in addition to the nonprofit that we run, we actually also serve our district, the Assemblies of God in Minnesota. Just It's called Minnesota Young Adults and Helping Churches Start, Strengthen Young Adult Ministries. This was at one of our favorite moments at the weekend last year. Hundreds of young adults uh, packed at the altars, and we just need more opportunities where young people ages 18 to 30 can encounter the presence of God, yeah. not less. We need more. Yeah. And uh, a little bit about our podcast is the next slide. Does anybody have a friend who's a goofball? <laughs> Maybe you're sitting next to them and you're like, please let me switch seats. <laughs> but um, we got an email from Spotify, and, and I thought it was like, a joke. Yeah. I thought it was one of our friends pranking us. I thought it was Mike and Mac just <laughs> messing with us. And uh, we got an email from Spotify. They're like, hey, Young Adults Today and your other podcast, FYI, they're both in the top 5% of podcasts globally. Wow. And so there's a need. It's like mm -hmm. we launched it mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and people are showing up. And he, oh, conversations with like Carrie Newhoff, mm -hmm. Levi Lusco. We've done a church planting series with um, Jeffrey Portman and just mm -hmm. amazing, amazing. God's moving. Yeah, and I think sometimes to recognize and realize that sometimes the prayers that you're praying, you might be the answer to your own prayer, or that person that God sends might be the answer to your own prayer. So when we came and we started the podcast about three years ago, it was just a miraculous thing because we came and had a couple of people, and we're like, hey, what do you guys need as young adult ministry leaders? Like, we need a podcast. I'm like, okay, which one of you wants to lead it? And they're like, you too. And they're like, okay, let's do this. And to see really God reach over 60 different countries, this podcast is reaching. Mm -hmm. So I just want to encourage you, if God's placed something in your heart or if there's a fear within you, I simply pray that that fear is eliminated and you step into the yes. fullness of what God Come has on. as yeah, a ministry leader. And you stop like believing in the lies of the enemy and start believing yeah. in the truth that God yeah. has placed before you. So we're just so thrilled to be here. Like, you don't know that the next Billy Graham walking through the door. You don't know the next person who's going to start a revival. It could be you. It could be someone in your ministry. So we believe in young adults, and we don't want to overlook young adults in the process. So we just know that we're here set on a, a, like 
God has us on trajectory to do something bigger and greater than ourselves in the process, to build his kingdom and not our own. So always keeping that pure heart, like we talked about last night when Alex touched that, I'm like, yes, pure hearted leadership is what we need. And young adults can read and see right through a heart that is in it for themselves. So if we can be clean hands, clean hearts, willing to serve, they are on board and their buy-in goes up. So... And a little bit about us, like we're going to try to have some fun. We'll all walk away with as practical of teaching as we can. So hope you're taking notes. Hope you're ready to go have questions. Um, But we don't take ourselves too seriously. Here's an example. We love to have fun. We believe life's an adventure. I was invited to a mentoring day about this size with one of my heroes, Louis Giglio. And I was like, finally, I'm in a room where I need to be. Praise God. And I saw my opportunity and I took it. It was during a break. They served coffee. Everyone went to coffee, and it's me, and it's Louie. We're standing at a high-top table just like this. We prayed together, talked about vision, reaching tens of thousands of young adults for Christ. Then afterwards, I was like, that was awesome. Like, we just got to pray. Come on. And uh, his navigator, like his armor bearer, his right-hand person, puts his arm around my shoulder, and he goes, hey, buddy, how's it going today? I'm like, great. This is awesome. Thanks so much for thinking of me, for bringing us out here. And he goes, yeah, I just want to let you know that your zipper's been down. <laughs> and so, like, just when I thought our mo- like, you know what, but what you see is what you get. We're, we're just ordinary people saying yes, like, let's plant churches, let's reach the next generation, and love the theme of big picture. The big picture, yeah. So we feel like it's our job. We've been praying for this conference, praying for every single one of you, maybe not knowing you by name, but God know, knew who was going to be here. So we feel like it's our job to decrease your fear and increase your curiosity of young adults. Because what we've seen with young adults is that they're hungry. They are wanting opportunities. And when it comes to specifically the lead pastors and some ministry leaders, we, cut, we tend to shy away from the generations to come. You know how to do youth. Like, you like, yes, youth, we understand, we get it. I can be goofy, I can be crazy. But the moment they turn 19, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with them. Okay, 24 year, hours ago, they were 18, now they're 19. They're still the same person, and we still need to love people where they're at, right? So here are a few things that we've learned throughout the years, and I don't want to put you in a box or make this, projecting this onto you, but these are things that we've really seen. And number one is pastors seem to be afraid of young adult ministries becoming a silo. So I want to decrease your fear of the siloing and increase your curiosity of what God can do, right? So when we talk about the siloing, I think that's one thing that we just need to be mindful of. If we want to plant a young adult ministry, maybe you are lead pastors in the room, maybe you are serving the lead pastor's vision, and maybe the young adults are stirring in your heart of how to reach them. The thing is that we need to keep in mind that our lead pastors might have a fear of young adults becoming a church within a church and replacing a Sunday service, which our goal is to have the young adults be married to the Sunday service, volunteer at the Sunday service, get plugged in, build a family, get rooted and grounded in that process. The second thing pastors seem to be afraid of is the financial component. Oh my gosh, we have so many young adults. We have to hire somebody. Okay, if God said it, he will do it. If God's birthing something, he will provide the resources and the things that you need as a leader, the $40,000, the $50,000, whatever budget you have in need for the finances to hopefully help fund and start something. Because in the heavenly realms, we can't place 
we can't place money on somebody's eternal soul, right? Yeah. And we can't let fear dictate us or prevent us from starting something that God is already stirring yeah. and trying to accomplish in and through us. So, and, and just real ooh. quick on that with money and with finances, like part of it too is like the reality is the, the peak earning income years of your life are probably not 18 to 30. It's changing and shifting a little bit with the workforce and Gen Z, I get that. But first of all, Gen Z has a lot less student loans statistically than millennials did. And also Gen Z has more money in their savings account, like a higher net worth than millennials right now. And so that's just one of the shifting components. But I remember we were speaking at a conference and they were doing Q&A and I was like, keep in mind, these are our thoughts, not necessarily God's word. But the first question was like, hey, should we offer cryptocurrency donations on our website? I go, couldn't hurt. Like, why not? They might, somebody might win big and want to give big. And the other one was like the hour of power ministry. You might've heard of them. They're like big on TV and everything. They studied all of their giving Mm -hmm. TV, crystal cathedral, all of that. They, in their history of giving had never had anyone, a millennial or Gen Z who Mm -hmm. gave. And so what they realized is their average donation was $10 a month coming from a 73 year old check, like somebody with a checking account in the mail. And we all have an expiration date. Like our time on earth is short, but like giving, we've, we're missionaries to a generation is really how our nonprofit is set up. And I'd say half at least mm-hmm. of our giving units are young adults. They're millennials. So I think it's actually a myth that I'd push against the idea that young adults don't give or can't tithe. Yeah. A little bit of a misconception because it's like we even said this at our church. Like if you're visiting, we don't think it's an accident. And we, you're actually under no obligation to give. And whether we said that to sound nice or if we meant it, like, I think we're all on a journey of life and there needs to be some teaching. Uh, and so anyway. Yeah, teaching and giving. Yeah, definitely expectation. And things that you don't expect along the way. So we had our first child in a pandemic, 2020 April, like just the brink of everything. One of our young adults that served under our ministry while we were on staff at a local church came and wrote out a check for $500 to bless our family with his wife and said, I couldn't imagine raising and starting a family in the midst of the beginning of whatever this is, mm-hmm. this pandemic. So, and then we, have, but then we have some students that are like almost millionaires mining cryptocurrency in their college dorms. Yep. Yep. 19 years old and you're almost a millionaire because you are studying things and learning things. So to overcome the fact that finances don't have to be a problem when we put our faith in Jesus. So just want to encourage you, faith, finances, God has it all. And one of the things I feel like one of our insecurities as leaders can be the fact that even though we say we love young adults, are we willing to reach them? Because so many times I feel like people are threatened by the next generation. There's an apprehension to hand over the pulpit. There's an apprehension to hand over a mantle, to give responsibilities to maybe a 19 or 25-year-old that doesn't have it all together. But guess what? None of us do, right? So just really realizing like, wow, we have an opportunity to create opportunities for other people and other young adults in the process. And one thing I just want to ease your mind with, if you're in the room and you're like 50 plus or maybe you're 19, you're just trying to figure out this thing called life. I truly feel like God downloaded this to me when I was 25 years old, called into ministry, and he said, you are never too old to learn and you are never too young to teach. You are never too old to learn, which is a humble heart for the person who's been in ministry for 40 plus years and maybe does know a lot, but they're never too old to learn and for the 19-year-old, like Timothy, you are never too young to teach. So, good. so creating space, linking arms with the generations across the board is essential while we're trying to reach the next generation, right? So when we do that, um, 
when it comes to young adults, like, why do we do what we do? Who cares about young adults? Guess what? God cares about young adults. So Josiah, why do we do what we do? And why do we have a passion to equip people in that process? That's one question I ask every guest on our podcast, 200 some episodes, and just gleaning knowledge. And I love phrasing it like this. Why do you believe discipling the next generation is so vital, so important, specifically 18 Mm. to 30 year olds? My favorite answer comes from Psalm 145, verse 4. This is the mission of our existence. I think all of us as church planners, as believers in Christ, here's the deal. Psalm 145, verse 4 says this. One generation is to tell the next of the marvelous deeds of God. Commend them of his mighty acts. Mm -hmm. Our prayer is that young adults would know the goodness of God in the land of the living, in their faith. In their life, adulting is hard, hello. Mm -hmm. In their relationships, in their finances, that they be young and debtless. And I think that it's just mission critical that we're on mission, telling the next generation of the marvelous deeds of God. Yeah, and I think one of my favorite people, her name's Susie Larson. She's an author from Minnesota, and she says this. This is her quote. Something along these lines, when I was with her, I'm like, oh my gosh, this should set your heart on fire for young adults. And here's why. Earth is the closest thing a non-believer will experience to heaven. And earth is the closest thing to hell a believer will experience. That's what's at stake. Come on. Does that not put it into perspective? Like, this yeah. is our hell. If we're a believer, this is our hell. It only gets better. Okay? Yeah. It only gets better. And we have the golden ticket, meaning Jesus, and the opportunity to share. What does that mean? How do we do that? Invitation. Every single person on this earth, young or old, I don't care. We're talking about young adults here. But every single person is one invitation away from eternity with Jesus. Yeah. Why are we holding back? Why are we not creating opportunities? Where are the fear and the things that God has placed in us? Why why are we putting our fear? Fear is putting faith in the enemy, right? Fear is putting faith in the enemy and worry is wasted prayer. So that is why we do what we do to recognize like, wow, for the non-believer, this is as good as it gets. For us, this is the worst as gets. So that is why we do what we do. And I hope that that sparks a burden or a passion in your heart to really put an urgency, a heaven-minded urgency to reach young adults in our world today. And we want to, we want, we're, I'm fired up. Is anybody else fired up? You say that, let's get going. Come on. And I want you to pull out your phones and we need a hundred percent. Lacey, can can we get a hundred percent participation? Let's do it. So hit up Instagram, just type in youngadults.today. And we want to get you involved in the conversation and actually help you shape it. Um, Part of how we're going to go real time with this breakout depends on the questions that you have and how you answer. The first question is like, I think we know this answer, but do you have a burden and a passion and anguish? Do you care deeply about 18 to 30 year olds? Answer it. Let us know. The second is, was your life radically transformed as a young adult? I know that's where my faith really became my own. I went on a journey with Christ and everything changed as a young adult. And then the last thing, um, two more is, does anybody know this? If you go to a college sports game, the wave always starts in the student section. Have you ever noticed that? Like March Madness is a few days away. They don't even sit down. Mm-hmm. The wave starts in the student section and we want that energy They need the wisdom from the Holy Spirit, but we want their energy in our churches, in our ministries. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing, like, we'll cover as many questions as we can. So if we say something that you want us to unpack deeper, either here, later through Q&A, or on the podcast too, send in your questions. We're excited. We are excited. Yes. Josiah. And I I would just say this. Four years. Yeah. 
I love this quote, four years of a university moment, like your college years, whether maybe you're in the military, Mm -hmm. workforce, or on a campus, it's that 18 to 22, 2022. Those four years Mm -hmm. impact the next 40 and beyond. So Bob Goff says this, with churches, we, like, our financial advisor would probably say, like, buy low, sell high. Mm-hmm. But with the yeah. church, so often our strategy has been young families, young families. We, we want to reach young families. We're not saying lower the bar on that. Let's just raise the bar yeah. on buying people low. When you buy a young adult and they're lo- like, this is showing up for them. This is caring, mm-hmm. being sensitive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Micah, you've noticed a few differences between like millennials and Gen Z. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Well, is there, are there any millennials in the room? Millennials. Us too. We are too. What's a millennial? <laughs> Just pretend to be one. <laughs> you are still a millennial. You're a millennial. Yes. Yep. Oh, you are. You are a millennial. Praise God. We need millennials too in this room. But really what I've, le- I've learned in millennials, like throughout those years of college and a four-year school, the overarching theme for the millennials seemed to be leadership, leadership, leadership. You need to be a leader. You need to have structure your teams. You need to have people together. You need to lead, lead, lead. And you're like consuming all this information to become a better leader, to be more polished, to sit from a stage, to do all these different things. But when it comes to Gen Z, I've really realized, like, what are they? They are dying and longing to become famous overnight. There are polls been done that they would rather be famous than anything else in this entire world. To be famous. But their character cannot handle the pressures of the world of every cutting comment, right? So what they desire is the word influencer. Influencer, influencer. They can become an influencer overnight. And it's like it's our job to recognize and realize, holy cow, we want you to have the structure and the foundation of Jesus at the center of any and all things you do, young adult, before you get discovered or before you reach your first job or get out of the house or buy that first house or whatever you're doing. And it's really to recognize, like, we do need leaders, which are important. Do we need influencers? Yes. But where is the character? And how do we, how do we create culture and opportunities for them to serve and find their spiritual gifts, their talents, their treasures in that process? And... I would even see, Josiah, you readily recognize something. And if you're a millennial, I think that you would really resonate with this. And Josiah, what were we so afraid of, or maybe we still are afraid of, as millennials in the room? I think every generation, there's like a fear that sometimes motivates or hinders, right? Fear can, there's, there's distress, there's you stress, there's good stress and bad stress, good fears, bad fears. My generation of millennials is like, we had FOMO, the fear of missing out, and how it expressed itself my my generation we would take out maybe a hundred or a hundred fifty thousand dollars in student loans because we were afraid of missing out on the college experience Mm -hmm. the attractional model really really drew older millennials Mm -hmm. um boomer led churches exergen led churches because the best show in town like i don't want to miss out and i think that it's good to harness some fomo for the kingdom of god Sometimes we put on events and it's like we get DMs and they're like, is this happening next year? So FOMO can be harnessed. It can be good. Um, Joey, if we can go two slides ahead. So Gen Z is those born 1997 through 2012. After that, it's alpha. So like our daughters, half of our family is the alpha generation. But with Gen Z, here's here's how I think FOMO has actually morphed into FOMO. 
the fear of better options. Like I used to fear missing out, but now I fear better options. We see this in, in dating or dating apps. It's like, well, I, I don't really want to commit right now because what if somebody pretty? What if a better option comes along? Does that make sense? We see it also, I see this with churches where like young adults we're reaching or ministering to, they will kind of church hop a lot. It expresses itself as tremendous vulnerability, yes, tremendous amount of like self-awareness, but the debilitating part of the fear of better options is that at some point you gotta commit. And so like we see this sometimes um, where somebody's like, oh, I'm a young adult, Michael Todd's my online pastor, Mass City, worship, we jam, like that's where I'm the presence of God. And then, but I have a small group that I go to up the street on Thursday nights, but I kind of don't have a home church. And so we wanna come alongside young adults because our friend Grant asked us, why is the most cause-driven generation of all time so disconnected from the most cause-driven organization of all time, which is the church? And we want to do everything that we can to help young adults in our world today see there is no better option than serving Jesus. There is no greater mission than Mm-hmm. to seek and to save the lost. Mm-hmm. And when we get that, it's so, so powerful. So here's the deal is we want to walk away with five practical steps. Um, and we see this even in the next slide, Joey. In, in Ephesians, we see Christ himself gave different gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. And so our, not our recommendation, but our requirement as Christ followers is, is to do ministry not to people, but through people. Mm-hmm. So that's the lens that we're going to go with these five, and Mike is going to kick them off. Yeah, so the first one is something maybe so simple, and I want to over-spiritualize it because we all should be doing it, and it's prayer. We should be praying. Our prayers have power, and I just love the fact that when we recognize and realize there are people that have prayed for you probably before you were born are probably praying for you in certain ways, and there are prayers that I'm still praying for some of the things in my life or that my family that maybe even after my life I will not be able to see until 20, 30 years down the road. So just realizing that our prayers have power, and we have access to the heart of Christ. We have access to the Holy Spirit, and what we, what we ask for is what we get. But here's the thing. If Jesus has placed something in you, if if he said it, he will do it. Yeah. Thessalonians, if he said it, he will do it. But we need to do our part in the process of discovering what he's calling us to, right? And I think when we see like the Asbury revival swooping across the nation, when we see one of our favorite movies, um, the Jesus Revolution taking place, those are all amazing things to celebrate. But even when I was watching the video last night of all the black and whites, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but you are part of history right now at CNN. You're a part of the AG, whether you realize it or not. 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, your name, your face may be on some of those pictures. And we may be dead and gone. I don't know. But you know what? We're writing history. Mm-hmm. But who has the pen? And how are we praying? Because if we're praying for revival, guess what? Revival starts with us. Yeah. You want to be restored? Then we need to stop flatlining as people and yeah. as leaders, right? If we need to be revived... It starts, we need to be revived so our church can be revived so the people and we can go truly what it talks about in Matthew beyond to the ends of the earth, right? So when we do this, it's just an amazing thing to step into. And there's three things that I want. I pray for myself that I hope you guys adopt in the process as well. Three things as a leader to sustain your relationship and your prayer life. Wisdom. You need wisdom. How many of you need wisdom? <laughs> Come on. I need wisdom. I need knowledge. And I need discernment. Yes. Wisdom, knowledge, and discernment is what I encourage every single leader to pray for, as well as anybody I mentor. And this is my working definition. If you want to go to the next slide of prayer. 
Uh, oh, maybe it's not even up there. I'll just say it from here. Here's my working definition. Wisdom is a supernatural download of information to us from the heavenly realms to help us with our worldly problems. Come on. Knowledge is knowing how to approach those problems on this side of eternity, meaning earth. Okay? Discernment is the ability to navigate the timing, people, and process to uncover or apply what the Holy Spirit is trying to accomplish. Okay, come on. Wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. We all need it. We need to get into the prayer closet. We have access to God. There was a study done in 2017 for pastors. 76% of pastors do not read their Bible and do not pray daily. Wow. Let's not be one of those percentages. Okay, let's see that flip. Yeah. Let's see yeah. that flip. Prayer yep. starts with us, right? And, and along with that, with that wisdom, knowledge, discernment, it's possible, I really believe this, to become like the men of Issachar who understand the times, who know what to do, mm-hmm. who just, they're able to like see tomorrow's newspaper today prophetically. They're able to see around the corner a little bit. And we're just asking like, what if the next great awakening mm-hmm. or the next great revival happened? And what if it happened with Gen Z? That's not our generation, but we believe in them and we want them to be hoisted onto our shoulders that they can go further faster, that our Mm -hmm. shoulders can be what they stand on. Yeah, and some of the things that we've seen in young adult ministry, I would even say they've come to us, they have three great aches and longings. Like just because of the questions we've asked, we want to be lifelong learners as pastors and as people. We just naturally have that drive. And we just want to learn. So we've asked young adults, what are you hurting for? What are you longing for? And Josiah, can you just touch on maybe the top three things that young adults have expressed? Yeah. Top three, community, wisdom, and purpose. I'll unpack them 30 seconds each. Community, this is the loneliest generation of all time with the most digitally connected mirage of all time ever. And so I think that the challenge is when 2022... American Psychologically Association, they just came out with like 27, among among Gen Z, 27% new cases of depression last year. 32% new cases of anxiety. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among 15 to 24 year olds. So that's not categorical. We've had a young adult in our ministry take their life. Mm-hmm. And so we want to write a different narrative that they have, this thing is battle tested. We have access to the Prince of Peace. And yet godly community is the cure to combat loneliness. Mm-hmm. So a big part of like young adult ministry is providing those yeah. relational needs, ministering to relational needs. The second one with wisdom, we are drowning in the information age. Like, all, it is so hard to sift and just to, like, verify and validate what's true, what's my truth, what's your truth, you do you, boo-boo, like, all that kind of stuff. And, and moral relativity is the dominant thought process among Gen Z, widely, ex- you know, expressed. But we believe in absolute truth and Proverbs. We see it that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of the discernment Mike is talking about. And so our role as leaders is to come alongside their spiritual needs. And then the third with purpose, I'd just be curious how many young adults are out there exactly who have a job. They're like, I graduated now. I, is this the American dream? Like, is this all there is? There's gotta be something more. And this is amazing, actually. This is, this is what gives me so much hope, is the, the, the wanting to make a difference that young adults have. And they can make a difference when it's channeled into the mission and the purposes of God. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those three things of community, mm-hmm. spiritual needs, 
relational needs of, of also community mm-hmm. wisdom and purpose. Yeah, and the second thing we want to unpack is just presence. Like, just being present. Like, what does that mean? So, Josiah, you talk about what are young adults looking for? What are they asking? What are mm-hmm. we unwilling to even talk about and touch as leaders even? I think this is a little bit of a bold prediction, but in the future, I think the pandemic showed us loneliness and and everything like that and desire for people to connect and i really predict a a return to the table like presence-based ministry the hands and feet of jesus coffees mentoring Mm -hmm. discipleship mentorship leadership and i think it'll happen in our home our churches of course but in addition with groups i think small groups are a great place for young adult ministries to start. It gives leaders something practical to rally around. And what I've found is almost everyone wants a personal pastor. I think that's one of the spiritual needs. We all need to be under authority. We need friendship, discipleship, leadership, and mentoring. But Tim Elmore has written a book on Gen Z, and this is what he found. Gen Z is not looking for more sages from stages. They're looking for guides from the side. So our Savior paced with people at about 3.5 miles per hour. It's written that just about everywhere he went, he walked. Not too much in a hurry. And I think that sometimes we're in a bit of a hurry. We want spiritual growth, discipleship to happen, hacks, what are tips? What if we pace with the next generation and go at God's speed and be in tune with the Holy Spirit to walk not ahead of him, not behind him, but just in step? And I think that mentorship and reverse mentorship is like a dynamic duo. Mentorship is like the glass is half full, Mm -hmm. definitely. But when you pair mentorship with reverse mentorship, oh my gosh, it's it's what Micah Mm -hmm. said off the top. We are never too young to teach and never too old to learn. Mm -hmm. And I think in our churches, like let's reclaim the table. And I'd love for Micah, for you to share about kind of like One of the things that we get pushed back on young adult ministry so many times, and I remember being deeply discouraged in a local church as a young adult pastor. It seemed like among my leaders, I needed to rebuild our team like every six months. Relaunch, relaunch, relaunch. You hear that so often in churches with young adult ministries. Mm -hmm. But you found something that has really, we've seen a lot of traction with. Yeah. So I, we, we have a working definition of the, the 18 to 30-year-old. That is our demographic. That's our target. Maybe yours looks different at your church, or maybe you have a different definition of what a young adult is. But we target that 12-year gap. That 12-year gap, a lot of life happens in those 12 years. Mm-hmm. So what we did is, Josiah was really frustrated one day. Like, how do we gain traction? How do we gain momentum? How do we get people plugged into the blood of this church, not only in the ministry, but on a Sunday service? So we took the 18 to 24-year-old who was really wrestling with the college experience, the, the baby Christian, the getting out of, the, out of the house for the first time, navigating all those questions, and we said, hey, what if we took the 25-year-old who has a mortgage, who's in a relationship, married, kids, maybe no kids, but has the time and the willingness to pour into people their own age, but has the wisdom and knowledge and discernment, because they've been walking with Jesus for 10 or 15 years. They're, they're being mentored, they're being discipled. So what we did, a fun model, was taking the 25 to 30-year-old and having them paired up with somebody organically with the 18 and 24-year-old who's wrestling with life. So we're still hitting that, tw- that 12-year gap, but really recognizing and realizing we can't be everything to everyone and a personal pastor to everyone. So if we can leverage our time and equip the main leadership team and the, the saints in a way where we are multiplying things and not dividing things, that's what we did. And then for the side of things, the men and women who are 25 and older, when they hit 31, 
we just really recognize, wow, they feel disconnected to the big C church because they don't have a name, a friend, a mentor. So for 25 to 30, if there was anybody in that group or demographic, in order for them to be present in the church and in our ministry, we teamed up with the women's ministry for six weeks on a Wednesday night. We got a roundtable discussion with 100 other women saying, hey, we're going to connect to the 95-year-old sitting there with, with white hair. I call them the seasoned mm-hmm. salt because mm-hmm. they got some seasoning. Mm-hmm. We're just the salt. They're the seasoned salt. And to see organic friendships grow. So in that time, they feel like they're outgrowing ministry or they feel like I'm 26 now. Everybody's young. I can volunteer, but I'm not going to get super plugged in. I feel connected to the larger side of the church on a Sunday service with my mentor, with that table leader, with that person I've been making coffee with. So even getting strategic in how we position ourselves, not only for the presence of God, being present as a leader, but creating opportunities for those young adults in the process. So hey, This is off script, yeah. but I want Micah to talk about one of the greatest needs is mentoring. And there was an idea that you had about the mixer. Remember that? Oh, so one fun thing that we did was a mixer. We want to see, we believe in the generations above, below, in between everybody. So what we did is we had the 18 to 30 year olds host an after party on a Sunday, at a Sunday service afterwards in the big four year and saying, hey, we're going to get the 55 plus of this community to get signed up and we're going to serve them food. So we made, we made mashed potatoes, we made meatballs, we had fruit and veggie trays, and we had questions, bowls with questions in the middle of the table. So there was, there was conversation to be had. And I'll tell you this, for somebody who's in their 80s to sit at a table with you when you're 25 and to say, we've been praying for, um, for this church and for young adults for 30 years before I was born, people were praying for me. Holy cow, what a humbling moment as a, like a non-humble 25-year-old saying, I'm called a ministry, blah, 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 you know? It's like, holy cow, they didn't know me. They didn't have a name. They didn't have a face. But they literally came to this church 30 years, 365 days a year for 30 years. The 55-plus community did that. So to really realize, like, then there's a kindred heart and a kindred spirit. There's wisdom. There's knowledge. There's, there's stories being told. There's prayers being answered. And the legacy that they're leaving, the legacy that we get to come into, is a part of the kingdom of Christ. So when we strategically position and place ourselves in those moments of realizing the 25-year-old, when we're not so humble, we're not above the 85-year-old. They have something to impart. If there's still breath in their lungs, they have something to offer. And there's breath in our lungs. We better be leaders and people and young individuals who start asking better questions. So that's just one of our big challenges. And we saw that. It was amazing to see. Every single week on a Sunday service, we had over 130, I think, volunteers that were young adults. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they were looking for volunteers. Guess what? God brought the young adults to us, and we just wanted to utilize their spiritual gifts, saying, how do you want to be used by God? Where can we get you plugged in? Where are you going to buy in? There's skin in the game. They're going to show up, right? And we're, we're going to have some fun right here. Ooh. Is there a leader that you need a few volunteers at your church? We want to help you. Is anybody brave enough to say, okay. <laughs> Lacey. Yeah, go. No, no, it's okay. Oh, actually, okay. You need a few? Okay. What is one of the like roles that you need help with? I, I, like we talked about beforehand, I think the thing that I would love to have is mobilize young adults that are willing to lead small groups. Amazing. Small group leaders. Yep. Disciples themselves. Yes. Yep. Any, we're going to pick three people and we're going to help all of you. Lacey, you had your hand up. What, what area of the church? Absolutely. Church-wide. Oh, church-wide. Oh, gosh. Um, I would say for our safety team. Okay. Oh, 
Let's start here and then we'll come back to you. Safety team, here's the thing. I'm not going to ask you to like volunteer and to hold open a door. I'm not going to say pass out bulletins. I'm not going to say pass the offering bucket. I'm going to say, hey, there is some kids in the next generation that need to be protected. And so maybe you've served with law enforcement. Maybe you've been a part of the military. Maybe you're just like a big, strong dude and you are passionate about bodybuilding in the gym. Let's, let's see, would you like to serve and help keep God's house safe. Yeah, like that's, that's the vision. Yep. And then we're going to go to the next one, Joey, with, with, with the pulpit. Anytime you talk with the pulpit, it aligns with vision. So we're not just simply saying like, okay, we need band-aids, we need this. No, no, no. We need to keep the house of God safe. Yeah. The next generation, they got to be like check in. It can't be just a free-for-all. Not everyone's allowed in where our girls drop, pick right. up and drop off. It's like you've got to have the sticker. And if I lose the sticker... I ain't getting my girl, so I can't lose that sticker. You know what I mean? That is the safety team. And with, with young adult small group leaders, like you need some small group leaders. Like are you passionate about executing the mandate of Jesus to go and make disciples? Would you be passionate about leading or co-leading? We see this gifting in you. And I think that so often, like I remember my pastor of my life, 26 years, the church I grew up in. Probably 1,500 adults, there was kids, there was youth, there was a missing generation, then there was parents, young families, grandparents, so many. And then he just said, hey, I have a burden and a passion for young adults. He goes, my house is open. We have a barbecue pit. We have a a grill. We have um, a fire pit. We have a volleyball net. And, um, and a trampoline. Like, you can have some of your friends over. 150 young adults, no exaggeration, showed up at his house. And most of them didn't even know that they were at a pastor's house or it had anything to do with the church. But he provided food. He opened his house. I can't. I lost track how many Sundays I watched football at his house. I lost track of how much pizza him and his wife fed me. They've retired, moved to Arizona. His wife passed away, but every year there's three of us guys. We fly down there to go visit him. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the mentorship, the leadership. And you know what it started? Opening up his home. And we have adopted this from Pastor Mm -hmm. Jerry and Kathy. Mm -hmm. We said, we actually have, we don't consider ourselves a pastor to someone unless they've been in our house. Like, I think that's so practical. Is your office, is your coffee shop, is your spot. I've ran grocery runs with my pastor. Like, just life on life, that's so important. And also important is the Word of God, right? Yeah. And I think when it comes to the Word of God, just being mindful. The third thing I want to focus on, what, what happens from the pulpit is essential. Like, so when Josiah is even touching these ideas, like, these are things that are being vision casted from the lead pastor. So, so many times I think as a young adult pastor, we have our vision, right? We have our passion, but does it come under the umbrella of the lead pastor? Because we want to be in alignment with that, right? And we don't want to be running rogue. We don't want to be siloing. But when the young adult pastors can go to the lead pastor and say, hey, lead pastor, I love young adults so much. Would you let me, would you give me a chance? Would you, could we, whatever the end of a sentence is is really realizing like we want to come into alignment with that lead pastor. And we want to respect the lead pastor in the process. But lead pastors, if you're in the room, just know that what gets shared from the pulpit goes into the hearts of the congregation. So if you say, we believe in young adults and there's a place for you, if you're the ages between 18 and 30, we are so glad you're here. We want to unpack the questions that many churches are not talking about, and we want to tackle the tough topics, and we're going to lean into not only our own messy, but any messy that comes through the door. So what comes from the pulpit and how we respond is essential to keep those people there, not to keep them because they're ours, but to keep them and lead them to the heart of Christ, 
the church and then community. Those okay. are the things that want to come to into alignment. And just like Josiah said, our approach and how we unpack the things and the needs of the church is essential. We're not going to be wordy and make it all creative and then it's like this really crummy job. But we want to say, if you are passionate about hospitality, if you are a barista and youth, the Folgers isn't doing it and we need some baristas on staff, okay, do you want to help me serve and get some real coffee in these carts and to love on people one cup at a time, which sounds crazy, but if that's what gets people through the doors and those donuts and those cookies get people through the door, that might be the only thing that they have looked forward to. And one of our friends in our life who comes from the pulpit, he said... There are people coming in these doors every single day that experience hell seven, six days out of the week. On the seventh day, let's give them heaven. Yeah. Come yeah. on, let's give them heaven. Every yeah. single place that we go, let's create space for the unwanted world that will not adopt them when we are adopted into the kingdom of God. Yeah. So when we do that, our volunteers, we need to equip the saints. And be careful what you say. When we have young adults events, how many of you know that Young adults, want to, they're single, but they want to be married yesterday, right? Relationships is a hot topic. Mm-hmm. I believe that God has not put dreams, passions, and desires in our heart to tease us. But when those things are mocked from a stage, when announcements being made about a young adult ministry opportunity for people to come through, hey, it's Valentine's Day, for example, and we have this young adult mixer, and it's everybody can come. But if you're single and you want to find your future spouse, come on over, because we're going to do some speed dating, and it's being mocked from a stage. Every single young adult cringes inside and is like, wow, that's a desire that I have. And if this is how the church is talking about it from the pulpit, I don't want to go. And I've been there. (laughs) I haven't made those announcements, but I've received those announcements. Mm -hmm. So what we say, whether we're pastors, leaders, whatever, how we portray young adults and how we portray the kingdom of God is being read from the audience. And it's absorbed into the hearts. And they're saying, there's a place for me here or this is not my home. Yeah. One of the two, right? So just being mindful when we, when we talk about that and unpack that. And when we do talk from the pulpit, there are seven tough topics that young adults are coming to us for. You're going to want to write these down because I guarantee you've been up against any or all of them or you will be up against and trying to <laughs> approach these things. So Josiah, what are the top seven things that young adults are literally asking us yeah. that's bleeding into the church? Yeah. But we want the church to be talking about it and going to the source Mm. for healing man um these are heavy and i know that each of them is a can of worms so if you need like a trigger warning even for yourself as a leader that they're they're just headier they're heavier and i'm also not just going to share seven topics but i'm going to share our four-part framework that anytime we share something that's heady or heavy like i'm driving to a coffee shop to have a one-on-one and i'm praying these four things we're having the young adults over to our house this Thursday night. And so when we open the house, we're ready with these four things. And this is a framework of, of like, almost like an air filter. Like I went to get an oil change. They're like, you need a new air filter. And, and it, was, it was a hot mess in our car. But it's, it's like we need a filter to approach these tough topics. So I'll list the seven. Then I'll share kind of the, the lens of like how we filter them. Yeah. And uh, my mentor taught me this too. When you walk into a room, like, you get it, the, the lobby's crazy. It's like, oh, man, your phone's buzzing, ring, and ding, and you've got to water baptize people in five minutes. And, and you meet a guest, and you're like, can we please meet again after the service? Like, I want to have a conversation, but this just isn't the time, right? Some conversations we can have from the pulpit, and some we try. I learned this from my mentor. We have sitting down because my anxiety lessens. And so just by, like, emotion, I'm charged. 
versus like sitting down, like, hey, let's talk about it. Our guards go down. People, like, this is so helpful in church planting or just leading anything where there's people because the delight is we work with people. The challenge is we work with people. So here's the seven (laughs) tough topics. Number one is mental health. And knowing your role is you don't need to be a licensed therapist. You are not a medical doctor, so you don't need to diagnose anything. You don't need to prescribe anything, but you do bring something to the table. Mm -hmm. If you're an expert in anything, it's God's word. It's returning to the disciplines. It's to help people encounter peace and and the presence of God. And whether like the workforce calls it mindfulness, there is a psychological blip on the radar Mm -hmm. in people's minds, even that's measurable when they pray. It's relief. It's, it's worship as well. So like mental health, we have the Prince of Peace. We have hope. There is help. There is health. And then the second one is sexuality. And Micah talked about it. Young adults have questions about sex. They want to talk about singleness, dating, engagement, marriage. The number one question on our podcast that's come in and the most downloaded episodes was a question that came in from a college student. And she said, what does a healthy Christian relationship look like? Because all the models that I've seen are jacked up and messed up. And so what is a healthy... Do you realize that this is what we get to unpack? God's vision for a Christian New Testament marriage. A Christian sexual ethic. And so mental health, uh, sexuality. The third is doubt and deconstruction. And like what is deconstruction? First of all, it's happening. It's a word you need to familiarize yourself with. At minimum, I think it's doubts which are not a sin. These are honest and sincere questions. Jude writes in a short letter in the Old Testament, lend mercy to the doubter. Mm. So if somebody has doubts, we're gonna like lend mercy to them, but doubts at a minimum, deconversion at a maximum, almost like hashtag exvangelical, stuff like that. But deconstruction, if you picture it, is a range on that scale from doubts to deconversion, everything in between. And young adults, the most recent mentoring session I had just before we came here, young adult wanted to talk about deconstructing their faith. So how do we come alongside, not as a sage from a stage, just a guide from the side? Can we talk about your life? What hurts, hurdles, hangups do you have? Let's Mm -hmm. talk. And then the fourth one is racial tensions. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to let the elephant out, out in the room. For example, I'm a Caucasian male. And I just said that there's racial tensions in our world. So I can ask people to help me understand what it's like to be from a different country, a different ethnicity or family of origin, all these things. But the fact is I will never know what it is to be a black male pulled over by the police. So we, we need to just understand that there's nuance and, and, we, and w- the four-part framework will really help with that. Yeah. The fifth is politics. All I'll say about politics is I've seen nothing more alienating for a person when a sage from the stage makes a stance, whatever side of the stance that they're on, about 50% of the room usually feels alienated. And there was a study that was just come out that said that people are more likely in America to change their church to align with their politics than to change their politics to align with the word of God. So this is what's at stake with politics. Tough topic. I mean, you talk about heady, heavy, (laughs) can of worms. Okay, sixth one is relative truth and biblical literacy. And with relative truth, it's this idea of uh, moral relativism. You do you, boo-boo. What's right for me is right for me. What's right for you is right for you. And Urban Dictionary defines my truth as a pretentious, 
argument for a personal opinion. So we all have opinions. We all have experiences. It's okay. There is absolute truth. Jesus, of the seven I am statements, most people would agree with about six of them, even outside the Christian faith, the one that then in the Jewish culture and today in 2023, it flies in the face of popular culture Mm -hmm. is he says he's the way, the truth, and the life. So we have absolute truth. Mm -hmm. The last one is the fall of prominent leaders. And in my own life, it's been really challenging when um, podcasts I've listened to, conferences I've attended, books I've read, uh, music that I've listened to that I've been ministered to by, right? It's really hard when there's the appearance of genuine faith and belief behaves and there was an incongruency. What a conundrum as a young person to like, what do I do when my leader fell? So somebody might come to your church and they're de-churched because they're like, I'm hurt by the church. The rise and fall of Mars Hill, I'm not endorsing it, but it was all of last year the number one trending podcast in all of Christianity, spirituality, and religion. So people are showing up to talk about church hurt, and this is where the four-part thing, so I'll list them one more time. Mental health, sexuality, doubt and deconstruction, racial tensions, politics, relative truth, and the fall of prominent leaders, here's how we approach it. We're not the experts, but this is really what I see is number one, I ask the question, do I care? And do I care about the person more, more than I care about the issue? Mm-hmm. So MJ, if you come to me, like we're going to meet for one, hour, we're going to have coffee. And I'm like, have I prayed? When's the last time that I prayed for you? When's the last time I wept for a generation? Like that's caring for people. Yeah. We're shepherd hearted leaders, Nate Roosh says. And so like we care for souls. We do hospital visits. We show up and bring meals, different things like that. The second thing is we're sensitive. So not only we care, but we're sensitive. We don't tweet tone deaf things. We don't just be re- reckless or flippant. We're sensitive to the, the hurts, hurdles, hangups, the, the families of origin, that everyone has their own hardships that they're walking through the third part in the framework. And this is what I love. We don't need a Gen ZV. We don't need a Gen Z version of scripture. Scripture does not need to be updated for the next generation. It just needs to be communicated to them. So we stick with scripture as the third one, and we have the opportunity to tether our teaching to truth. This thing's battle-tested, mm-hmm. and so everything, it's not her opinion, it's not my hot take, it's what does God's word say? Okay, so you want to talk about doubting? Great. Let's, what is God's word? You want to talk about sex? What does the, the Bible say? What does God teach about relationships? And then the last one is let's all commit to being lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. Can we do that? I think if you approach the hardest of topics with the intellectual honesty to say, I'm not the expert, but I care tremendously about you. I'm sensitive to your, your life, your orbit for a second. Thank you for letting me in. Let's stick with scripture. Mm-hmm. And then when you commit to being a lifelong learner, that's what we're going to do together. That's so good. And in that process, the fourth one is simply publish. What are we publishing through social media? Um, technology is obviously a huge part of Gen Z. I would say they spend eight or more hours on their device. That's not including their work. That's not including their classes. That's just 
nonsense or whatever you want to say. So are we producing material? Are we publishing content as ministry leaders that are going to draw a generation closer to the heart of Christ? or more into the world? Like, are we creating opportunities for mm-hmm. them to get plugged in? Do they know about the event before it happens instead of celebrating and looking like, oh my gosh, that happened a week ago? Because I, I've realized that sometimes when I've seen something on a social media, I'm like, if I would have known this would have happened instead of celebrating the wins afterwards and if I could have been a part of it, Holy cow. So we always want to be ahead of the game when it comes to publishing content. By the end of a meeting, when is our next meeting? When is our next event? How can you get plugged into a small group? Where can you go for X, Y, and Z? And to realize that as churches, pre-COVID, 50% of churches had some, some form of online content. Okay? 50%. That skyrocketed an additional 40%. So 90% of churches have some form of YouTube video, live streaming videos, Um, of their services, whatever that is and looks like. So what are we publishing through our social media? Because if we're going to reach a generation, we need to go where they are. Speaking their language. So I think when we were on staff at a church, this is my church mindset. Maybe you're guilty of this. It's come to us, come to us, come to us, come to our church, come to this, which is good. Like we want you to know Jesus. But then we went and stepped in a Kaifa on a campus on their turf under their situations and circumstances. We became missionaries and we're like, oh my gosh. We're going to them. (laughs) We're the outsiders coming in, and we're not being invited. We're creating a space for ourselves, trying to sit next to somebody in the coffee shop. You know what I mean? So even having that mindset of just like, what are we publishing? How is it coming across? What does that mean? What does that look like? And what we realized is stories, testimonies, those things sell. And I'm not saying we're selling Jesus. I'm saying that we're going to celebrate people and not sell their stories. We're going to celebrate their stories. When someone's getting water baptism, water baptized, there's nothing more amazing when they have those signs that are just like, this is who I was. This is who Jesus says I am. Like, I am a born again. I'm a new Christian. I'm a new creation. And when we teach people that we're like discipling and mentoring, we need to focus 80% of the testimony is what God is doing, 20% of maybe who I was. And I think sometimes, I'm so ugly, I'm this wretched person, this is who I was, 80% of my story, and then Jesus came into my life, read John, the end. No, let's teach people how to leverage their story for God's kingdom and not their own. Let's teach them how to untangle their tongue, to share the elevator pitch if you've been in any form of business. By in one or two minutes, could I share my story? Can I hear your story? What's your testimony? Let's become people who ask good questions and we can create that content and publish it from a platform that is honoring and pleasing to God, that it's not confusing, it is clarifying, but it's leading people First and foremost, like we said, to the heart of Christ, to a heart of a Bible teaching, preaching church, yours or somebody else's, we've got to be okay with that. And then are they getting plugged into a community in the process to navigate the things of life, the ages and stages of life. So when we teach people how to do that and share their testimony through that, people come and they're like, I saw your story. What does Facebook use? What does Instagram use? Stories, reels. They want to be involved and they want to create content. That's what I realized. Gen Z wants the content creation and they want to see it done well and it's an attractional model for them. Will that change in the future? Probably, but let's meet them where they're at. Let's come alongside them and just love them and just help them add to their story. So decide the last time thing, yep. because I know we're pressing on time, is um, participate. Yep. How do we participate? Yeah, for sure. I think that the, going back to the last one of publishing, Ooh. participation, we just don't do ministry alone. 
And if you want to reach Gen Z, nobody's going to reach young adults like young adults do. Mm -hmm. And one of our favorite things, like say it's an event that we're doing or a conference that we're leading, we love handing over the social media keys and the logins to all of the passwords to somebody who's in Gen Z and letting them run with it. Because you know what? I like social media and I'm decent at it. But every time I've handed it over to somebody younger than me, you know what's crazy? They do it way better than I do. (laughs) Not even close. And so if we talk about equipping the saints, and Mike is saying like, hey, leadership is vital and how we lead is through equipping the saints. People, a generation's rally cries, what about us? Can I see myself Mm. getting involved here? Sometimes Mm. representation is huge. Like for a young female to come last night and to see Alex Seeley preach and be like, wow, that girl just flat out nailed it. She preached to fire. And now a, a young female could be like, I'm represented here. Like there's a space yeah. for me. Yeah. And with young adults, it's so similar. Mm-hmm. It's also like the different ethnicities or different families. Like we are a part of God's church. And when people see representation, young adults go where young adults go, where young adults are. People go where people are. And representation is yeah. important, but I love that handing over the keys to the digital kingdom. Mm -hmm. I mean, why not? And so this could be worship, platforming young adults. This could be every volunteer that, you know, like we had a huge thing, uh, a push in our ministry of like, how do we make sure that we're serving every department in the church? Coffee, man, we're going to get a young adult small group to own Mm -hmm. coffee. Like Mm -hmm. all of those different things. And most recently, the church that I grew up with, I met with them. And one of the young adults, he's 24, turning 25 this year. I used to house sit for his parents when I was in college, and I would bring him to high school. He is now the board selector and the board nominator, and he's tasked with finding people. And there's two people I went to Sunday school with who are millennials on the board of that home church. And they've just been really intentional in their next step. They're like, wow. We have an entire generation that's not represented in our board. And I love what Carrie Newhoff said. When we're having conversations about the next generation, let's just include them in the conversations. Some of them, at least. It might not be possible to include everyone. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, um, Clay Scroggins was Andy Stanley's number two at North Point for a lot of years. He wrote, How to Lead When I'm Not in Charge. Mm-hmm. And I realized this. Sometimes, and he pointed it out, and I was like, I felt seen. Sometimes decisions about your future are made without you in the room. So can we just involve young adults? Mm -hmm. And uh, they want out of the bench. They want in the game. And the theme for the CMN conference is big picture in 2023. So I want you to close your eyes. Mm -hmm. This is how we're going to close. I want you to go back to the moment in your life where God unlocked your destiny. I want you to go back to the moment in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, where you know that you know that you know that you are called, that God is real, that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I want us to to just go there. For me, I remember being 22 years old, graduating from North Central University, sitting on my parents' couch in the living room and seeing a black and white picture of tens of thousands of young adults on their knees, lifting their hands in worship, surrendering their lives to young adults. And in your picture that your eyes are closing, that you're seeing, is there room for young adults? Maybe it's God showed you like, you gotta cancel your career plans and plant a church. You've gotta move out of the comfort zone and do something new and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, is there room in your big picture 
for young adults. Yeah, and I just want to encourage you guys just to take just to go back to that moment. And there's one thing that we want to talk about is you know that rest is important as leaders. The REM cycle, our mind's ability for the left and the right side of our brains to be able to regroup, to restore, to process what is actually taking place throughout the day, to dream, like literally dream again, to feel rejuvenated by the time you wake up. And it's R-E-M. And we're going to take that into the spiritual aspect of things. We have like minute and 30 seconds and Josiah is going to pa- unpack and challenge us in the ourselves included in the REM of our spiritual walk when it comes to young adult ministry and it comes to the next generation. So I noticed there's 800 articles about biblical literacy among Gen Z and none of them online are doing anything about it. It all they all quote the mm-hmm. same statistic that 4% of Gen Z has biblical literacy and so I've just been like what can we do because an old book promises a new life. Yeah. And like this thing is battle tested, you guys. So there's three things we can do as leaders. It's REM. Just like REM sleep, new dreams, biblical literacy. The first is return to the ancient disciplines. Return to disciplines. E is engage emotionally. Wake up your wow. Yeah. See things with a childlike spirit again. And this will help you reach young adults too. Return to the disciplines. Engage emotionally. And then memorize and meditate scripture. Yeah. And I would say not even just verses but passages, chapters, and books. And the closing, closing thing, everybody pull out your phones. In your church, there's at least one young adult you know who needs encouragement. And to hear from their pastor, from somebody who loves in them, believes in them. You're away at a conference. God put them on your heart and you love and believe in them. Thanks for having us. And so that's a wrap on today's episode of Young Adults Today podcast. But look, if... Church planting, the idea just invigorates you if if the idea of starting something new just gives you the juice. You can connect with our friends at CMN, the Church Multiplication Network. You can find out some more information. Check out this website, IWantToPlantAChurch.com. Cool sentence, IWantToPlantAChurch.com. You can check out the CMN Church Multiplication Network. We love these guys. We believe in the vision, a healthy church in every community. And the vision of CMN is to plant 500 churches a year. Pray about if God is speaking to you about that. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, you're listening to the Young Adults Today podcast. Plug me in, I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.